Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. That you bore and the debt that you paid. 
Give me 
So we've been talking about words that, that matter and particularly about words and phrases that have the power to change lives. And, and we've talked about some of those words already that, that impact the people around us. We've talked about words like, I'm sorry, uh, and, and words like, I love you. I mean, those are powerful words into the lives of the people around us. But we've also talked about words that have an impact into our relationship with Jesus. We, 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 we talked a, a couple of weeks ago about the phrase, I give up, and how that's not always a negative comment. That can be a positive thing within our life to say, I give up, especially in our relationship with Jesus. And then last week, we looked at this, this phrase, I believe, the, the most important words that I believe any of us will ever say, I believe Jesus is Lord. And today, we're gonna look at a phrase that has the power uh, not only in our relationship with Jesus, but also has incredible power within our relationship with one another as well. But again, it's one of those phrases, one of those sets of words that um, are hard for us to say, or, or at least there come times where we forget to say these words, or maybe during these last couple of years, we have fallen out of the habit of making a point of saying these words, and it's just two words that we're gonna talk about today, and those words are thank you, thank you, okay? When we were kids, we had some prompters for the words thank you, because when we were kids and somebody would do something for us or somebody would give us something, um, our parents would kind of sidle up next to us and they'd nudge us and they'd say, what do you say? And you knew that whatever it was, you were supposed to say thank you, okay? Even if it was the worst thing you'd ever been given in your whole life, you were still supposed to say in that moment, thank you, because it matters to say thank you. At Chick-fil-A, they pay attention whether you say thank you or not because as soon as you say thank you, they have a response that they're gonna give you and that is, it's my pleasure. And so you can have a little game of that next time you're at Chick-fil-A, they're not open today by the way, but if you go another time, you can go and you can say thank you and then they're gonna say my pleasure and then you can say, hey, thank you for saying my pleasure and then they're gonna have to say my pleasure and you can say, you can keep going, it's great. They have to say it, it's awesome. Anyway, thank you is more than just being polite though. There are places all over scripture that talk about this need to say thank you. In fact, in, in some places in scripture, it is almost a command to say thank you. Psalm 100 verse four, for instance, says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now this moment that we're in right now, what we've been doing for the last half hour or more is, is really the collective massive way that we collectively have been saying thank you to God in this time that we call a worship service. And yet, thank you is not only expressed through our times of worship to God. Colossians chapter three, verse 17 says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, I'll tell you what it says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, that kind of opens things up a bit. That really anything that we do can be our way of saying thank you to God. But then it, it, what we are thankful for is not just the moments that happen in our life. It's not just the things that we do that we're thankful for. James chapter one, verse 17, says this, every good and perfect gift 
is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Now, let's dig into this a little bit because I think there's a lot of us who really believe this, okay? We know it's in the Bible. We've come across it before. And when we hear those words, we think, you know what? That's true. Everything in the world comes from God. And and we think of it in kind of this overarching kind of way. But there is also a part of us that is um, thinking about and believing something that is really contrary to this thinking. We would never say this out loud. We would never say these words in church, okay? It's just not what we would do. But there's a part of us who kind of think, you know what? I worked for the money that I have. Or that couch that I have, that car that I have, that house that I have, those clothes that I wear, that food that I buy, I do all of that with my money that I earn. All of that is part of my life because of what I did. It's my doing. And so there's certainly some other things in life that God kind of puts into our life and some other great moments that take place and that come as part of life that's great that God provided that and that's cool. But what we're really saying when we see these words in James is that this is an overarching comment about kind of the umbrella-like way that God provides everything. But when it comes to the specifics, we decide that the specifics that happen in our life we do that for ourselves. That that's just our doing. And since we still seem to hold that the specifics are our doing, we decide that this verse doesn't have to do with the specifics of our life, but just the overarching part of our life. Again, we would never say that out loud. But is that what you're thinking? Is it what I'm thinking? Is it something that we need to investigate about how we view the stuff and the things and the moments of this life? See, there's a Jewish tradition that rabbis are known to recite what they call as the 18s or the 18 benedictions. These are recitations that they make every day of their life these 18 benedictions. Now, when you break down the the Latin for benediction, it breaks down this way. Bene meaning good, diction meaning word. So these are good words that the rabbis are speaking into their own life to allow them to kind of stay really focused and have their mind and their heart stay focused on the things of God. They're praising God within these 18 benedictions for the food that they have, and they're praising God for the health that they have, and they're praising God for the great mercies that that are happening in their life. And within the the comment of these benedictions that they're sharing is the truth that God is the benefactor, which means that he is the giver of good. Okay, So these good words that they speak tell them that God is the giver of good in their life and also that we are the beneficiaries, which means that we are the receivers of good. And all that we do receive, that we often overlook and often don't pay attention to, those good things that happen in life, the specifics of life, are the benefits that we have, the good things that we have. And none of that comes our way. 
because we earned it, okay? Because we deserved it. And that whole idea of deserving it matters. Because when it comes to this life and it comes to the specifics, the more I think I deserve, the less thankful I am. The more I think I deserve, the less thankful I am. And the less often I am actually going to speak the words, thank you. See, not just thinking the words thank you. There are plenty of times when, when I think we have gratitude that kind of rolls through our mind and we're thankful for something, but then we don't go to the, to the extent of actually saying thank you. And saying thank you has action that is attached to it, and that action is good for our heart, and it's good for our mind. There have been multiple cases, Doug mentioned this as well, studies over the years that have been built around the subject of gratitude, and after researchers have spent countless hours pouring over the data from all over the world when it comes to these moments of gratitude and people's ability to say thank you, they've come to this conclusion. And it may seem very simple, but thank you helps us focus on what we have rather than on what we don't have. And we have plenty of people in this society and in this time in our world who pay a great deal of attention to what they don't have, to what they wish they had, and being envious of something that somebody else has. But it turns out that when you say thank you, it reminds you of what you do have. These words thank you, they matter to our life and to our life's perspective and to our perspective of our world and to the perspective that we have of ourself and a perspective even that we have of God. And it's not just thinking how grateful you are and it's not just thinking about what you should be thankful for, but it's actually about taking the time and effort to say the words. Let me show you where this jumps out of, out of this in Scripture. If you've got your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open with me and pay attention to this story with me. Luke chapter 17. If you've got a phone or a tablet, you're welcome to pull those out and pull up your Bible app. Um, again, uh, Luke chapter 17. And there are countless times in Jesus' life where Jesus did miracles and healing and teaching. Most of the time he would do those in public settings with lots of people watching and paying attention but there are a few that we have recorded for us where it was a much smaller group and almost a private group where Jesus performed miracles or, or, or performed healings. And this is one of those moments, Luke chapter 17, all the way down in verse 11, and here's what we read. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, once again, we had this a couple of weeks ago, Jesus encounters leprosy and, and, and people with leprosy. And people with leprosy in the first century and even today, it's a horrible skin disease that uh, was very contagious and they, they would not get too close to anyone, including Jesus, because not of the law of man, 
but because of the law of God. Now you can go back into the Old Testament and you can find uh, paragraphs of law given for how to handle and how to treat people with leprosy and how people with leprosy were supposed to respond to everybody else. Leprosy was this skin disease that would eventually begin to affect the nervous system. Um, it would cause people eventually to, to not have feeling in their extremities. Uh, in some cases, fingers and toes would fall off. And this disease was extremely contagious. And so because of how contagious it was, the law of God, again, not the law of man, but the law of God told people with leprosy that because it was so contagious, they had to make sure that they covered their nose and their mouths with something so that they wouldn't spread the disease. It was also covered within the law of God that they had to stay a certain distance away from other people so that they didn't get too close to someone for fear of spreading the disease and they had to stay 16 feet apart. Now can you just imagine what it must have been like to have to go through life wearing like a mask over your face that covered your nose and your mouth and staying distanced from other people, a very specific distance that people told you you had to stay. Can you just imagine what that was like? Yeah, we kinda get it. The regulations that we went through, we went through for a few months. These were regulations passed down from God that lepers would have to live with for the rest of their lives. And so for the rest of their lives, and Leprosy was not a rapid killer for the rest of their lives, decades of time. They would spend that time distanced from people. And so that's why these guys are yelling towards Jesus. They, 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 they're not allowed to get close to him. And so they shout to him, they cry out to him, and it's why Jesus sends them on their way. And in their mind, they're assuming this is just like every other day where people don't want anything to do with us and so they're sending us away. But this is the miraculous power of Jesus at work. While they are on their way to the priest, he heals them. And in this moment, he heals them and all kinds of different ways, even in ways that they didn't ask for. Because these guys had a lot of problems that were going on beyond just the leprosy, okay? They, they had physical problems for sure. They had social problems because they were distanced the way that they were. And they had spiritual problems going on. It was believed that the only reason that you have leprosy is because of how sinful you are. And so Jesus heals them on their way to the priest and takes care of their physical problem. And the fact that he sent them to the priest <laughs> means that he was sending them into the heart of people, okay? He was sending them into the temple courts. He was gonna send them to places where people were, people that they'd not been around for a long, long time, and he was forcing them to go into the realm of people and deal with the social anxiety that they were going through. And then as he sends them to the priest, the priest is simply going to find out when they get there that there's no leprosy anymore and he's going to pronounce that they have been cleansed. And that pronouncement is not just physical, it's spiritual because what the priest is saying is that sin is no longer wrecking their lives. 
And so in this one moment, Jesus deals with all of these problems that are going on in these guys' lives, and he does it all in one moment, which is kind of Jesus' play. He does that all the time with us. He heals us for, for, for what we ask for at times. Sometimes he heals us in ways that we weren't asking. And then he takes care of problems we didn't even know to bring to him. Well, the story moves on. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. A couple things to notice here. One of them came back, and he was a Samaritan. Samaritans were people that were looked down on. They were not really considered to be pure parts of God's people, not necessarily pure parts of Israel. If you'll remember, Jesus told a story about a Samaritan. We call it the Good Samaritan. There was a guy that was beaten up on the side of the road, and a priest went by, a rabbi went by. It didn't help him for reasons that they had. But the Samaritan, who everyone thought would not get involved, stepped in to help. Now that was a story that Jesus told. This is real life in Jesus' life. And the one who comes back to say thank you is one of these that people look down at. One of these folks that people don't think very highly of. And it's a Samaritan that comes back to say the words, thank you. And so Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I'm, I'm telling you, there is health. There is a better you that is attached to the words that we speak when we say thank you. Gratitude is so much healthier, so much better for you, inside and out, than an attitude of envy or an attitude of pride or an attitude of entitlement. Well, let me say this about this story, though. I've, I've read this story lots of times in my life, and I've come to the conclusion now when I read it, I don't read this story anymore thinking that the other nine lepers were not grateful for what had happened to them. Because there's a way to read this story that says, look, what I'm really believing here is that these nine guys went along and suddenly their skin started to clear up and they started to look better and feel better and they just believed that they were entitled to be better, okay? Or that they were going along and their skin started to clear up and they said to themselves, well, it's about time. I deserve to look better than I was looking. This, this works for me. This is what I deserve. I don't think that at all. I think every one of these guys could not believe that their leprosy was disappearing. I think every one of them was appreciative, knowing full well that Jesus had been the one who healed them. I, I believe that they cried after what Jesus did for them. But only one of them came back to say anything about it. 
And there is a difference between feeling grateful and expressing gratitude. There is a difference between feeling the words thankful rise up in your mind and actually saying them out loud to the person for whom you are thankful. And so Jesus was looking around and he realizes that there's only one but there were 10 that he healed and he's got some questions. He's starting to, to be curious about where they were. He's starting to be curious about what they thought. He's starting to be curious about the feelings going on in their heart. And, and here's something that we learn from this moment, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, this is hard for us to hear, but we know it's true. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced as ingratitude. And, and, and if you're not catching this, when you don't say thank you to someone for whom you are thankful, it is possible that they are hearing your silence as ingratitude. Now that's tough. That's a tough one for me because I'd be lying if I told you that I'm really good at this, that I, I am excellent at this saying thank you thing. I have friends of mine who are really good at this. The moment that something happens for them or some gift comes across their path or some extra special moment happens when somebody just pops their head in their office and says that thing that's just meaningful for their day, they've got thank you cards in their left hand drawer and they just pull those right out and they start writing out the thank you card and they sign it and they put it in the envelope and it's on its way and it's to their house before that person even gets home. Okay, Those are great folks. That's not me. I don't do this well. Even though I have lots of people in my life for whom I am very thankful. I am thankful for what they do. I am thankful for what they give me. I'm thankful for who they are in my life. But like Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn here. And what I'm learning is that feeling gratitude and expressing gratitude are two very different things. The leper came back to say thank you. And it made him well. There's something that's so powerful that's powerful for you and it's powerful for other people around you when you say the words, thank you. When we say thank you out loud, when we remember to come back and express our feelings to the one who has done something for us, good things happen, not only to you, and, and good things happen not only to the one to whom you say thank you, but I believe that good things happen to the people who are in your sphere of influence who hear you say the words, thank you. Because thank you can change not only your life, but it can change the lives of people around you. See, thank you is contagious. And grateful people are contagious people. And we don't know what it's like to, to 
kind of be um, around people whose character and whose attitude impacts us. Okay, let me take it to the other extreme. Have you ever found yourself around those people who are just grumpy all the time? Okay, they are people who are miserable all the time. Nothing is ever good enough for them. And the only time that you hear them speak up is when they say things about how somebody's not doing the right thing. Or when they say things about how somebody is wearing the wrong thing. Or they say things about how something could be better than it is right now. And when you are around those folks, as irritating as they may be, and as frustrated as you may be with them, what you don't notice is how much you change in that. And how you suddenly start to see the world as far more rotten and far darker than when you ever came alongside this person. Well, in the same way that a negative, cynical, pessimistic, super grumpy person can just suck the life out of you, a grateful person can add life to you. And you know that. You know who some of those people are in your life. And you know that when you get around them, your outlook on life changes. And your attitude changes. And you like being around grateful people because they make you better. And you can make someone else better too. Because gratitude has this ability to change the perspective, not only for you, but of the people around you. And that perspective that grateful people have that kind of changes the way that they view the world around them, it comes from a very healthy understanding of what they have and what they deserve. When you think about grateful people, people who are constantly finding ways to say thankful, thank you, they are folks who are very solid and very content in what they have because they have a very clear understanding of what they deserve. Grateful people understand. And again, I'm not great at this, but I'm learning. And what I've learned thus far is that on my best day, when I am doing the best that I can possibly do, when I am the best version of me, that I can possibly be. I am the best steward possible. When that's who I am, I still deserve hell. When I am at my absolute best, I still deserve hell because of who I am and because of who I really am and what I really do not as it compares to somebody else, because I can find somebody else that I can compare myself to and say, you know what, I'm better than that person and therefore I'm okay with myself. No, 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 when it's just me and I'm at my absolute best, I still deserve hell. So on my best day, when I am being the holiest version of me I can possibly be, even on that day, I am still over the top grateful for Jesus Christ and what he has done to my life. 
because without him, that's what I deserve. Now, here's the great thing, is that because of Jesus and because of what he's done for me and because of his grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness, on my worst day, I get heaven. So I'm entitled to hell. But I am thankful for heaven. Now, the, the most positive of us in the room and the most cynical of us in the room, wherever those two extremes may exist, we can all unite over this one thing, that over the past couple of years, um, it has been hard. Relationships have been hard. Finances have been hard. Marriages have been hard. Parenting has been hard. Jobs and careers are are difficult in any circumstance, but these have not been regular circumstances that we've been in, and so those things have been hard. For some of us, this has been an awful year for our health or for the health of people that we dearly, dearly love. Some of you have lost someone close to you in the last 24 months or so, and that's hard, and it hurts. And I don't say any of that to remind us of those things, kind of pile on and just remind us of the mess that our lives are. But I say all of that to remind you that in the midst of the mess and in the midst of the tragedy and the chaos, there is healing that is real and that is complete to all of the problems of life, even the ones that you wouldn't bring to him that come through Jesus Christ And some of us who are here right now need to make a direct run to the foot of the cross and bring our mess to God and ask for his help and ask for his healing. And there's some of us who are here who have already experienced unbelievable uh, miracle healing from God that has happened in our life And we need to make a run to the foot of the cross because we have forgotten to go back and say thank you. You know, the one thing that all 10 lepers got right together happens in verse 12. They saw Jesus in the distance and they knew that they were all alone and they knew that there was absolutely no way that they were gonna be able to fix their situation that they were in, but they did know that he could do something about it. And he was the only one who could do something about it. And so collectively, they cried out to him. And I want to tell you that he is still listening. And he is still ready to hear your cries today. No matter who you are, no matter what your mess looks like, no matter how high your pile of sin may seem, he is ready to bring healing to you just as quickly as he did for the lepers as they were heading on their way after they cried out to him. See, that part of the story is still the same. When we cry out to him, from whatever distance we feel as though we have to cry out to him, he still hears us. And he still answers our cries. But the words that matter 
are these words that were only spoken by one of the ten. Thank you. There are plenty of reasons that God has given us for us to say thank you to him. And we do tend to do that in our prayer time. We just say the words thank you even though we don't give too many specifics to it because again, deep down inside, some of us still wanna hang on to those specifics because those are the things that we had something to do with. But maybe it's time to start bringing the specifics to God and telling God thank you for the specifics of our life. He is right now in the midst of taking the messes that are going on in your life and bringing beauty out of them. And and you probably don't even see that right now and you can't even kind of put your finger on it right now, but there's gonna be a time, maybe it's days from now, maybe it's months from now, maybe it's years from now, where you recognize that he was in the midst of fixing the mess even before you ever asked for help. And when you see it, would you take the time and return to him to say thank you? Well, one last thing that comes from the Bible when it comes to this area of thank you shows up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Lots of verses, not a whole lot of words, and yet Paul says this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Express thanks to God and express thanks to others. I'm telling you, it helps you. It cleanses you. And it turns out that thank you reminds you of what you have rather than what you don't. And thank you is contagious. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we say thank you a lot for just everything in the world and everything that you give us and overarching umbrella-like statements. But God, we thank you for the friendships that you have placed in our life. And we thank you that you are willing to help us in our relationships, whether it's as parents or as husband and wife, whether it's in our job relationships. We thank you for intervening in times when we ask for your help with health issues or surgeries that are going on or diseases and we we come to you and we, we lay out, here's how I want you to help me and God, you hear all of that. And then you answer the prayer in the best way for us or for the individual that we're praying for. And God, we we thank you for that. Even when we don't understand it, we thank you that you hear our cries and you answer our needs. And God, now it seems very overarching to make this comment, but we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he would come and and teach us about you, about us, about our relationship. 
and that he would serve as a sacrifice for us on a cross and that he would show his power over sin and death, his authority, and that he would invite people like us into a relationship with you. And God, for that, we say thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you'd stand this morning. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, and you've never accepted his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, today may be a day that you need to make that declaration and, and say yes to him and be baptized in his name. Or maybe today's a day that, that you just need to say, hey, I want this church to be my church home. And that's a decision that you want to make today. We invite you to make those decisions. We have folks who will be here to talk with you and pray with you. But for the rest of us who are here, we have a moment right now. A moment to follow through on what we've been talking about. A moment to lift our voices and just say thank you. To the one who has done everything for us. And the one who has done the specifics for us. May we lift our voices in praise and worship to him now. And if you have a decision to make, we invite you to come. Let's sing together.
God, I 